Welcome to PS, the Puget Sound podcast, where we're talking with members of our campus community about their Puget Sound experiences. I'm Elena Becker, recording at Moonyard Studio here in Tacoma, Washington. And my guest today is Tuana Nobles, who received a bachelor's from Puget Sound in 2006, a master's in teaching in 2007, and is the current president and CEO of the Tacoma Urban League. Tuana Nobles, welcome to the Puget Sound Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm it's, excited to be here. It's really a pleasure. I said this to you as you were coming in and sitting down, but I've mentioned to a couple of people around campus that you were coming on the podcast, and every single one of them has said something to the effect of, she's so fantastic. I paid all those folks. So. <laughs> you got to them first. <laughs> yes. Well, before we get to talking about your connections to Puget Sound, I want to just start by um, grounding with your day job. Mm-hmm. So for people who don't know, what is the Tacoma Urban League? What is your role as president and CEO? What does that look like for you? Yeah, Tacoma Urban League is a social justice civil rights organization that focuses on offering programs around housing, health care, education, employment, and justice um, for the African-American community and other underserved community members um, here in Tacoma, Pierce County. And um, Tacoma Urban League has existed for 52 years, Mm -hmm. but it's one of 90 affiliates across the country. We're pretty lucky. We have two affiliates in Washington State. So there's also the Urban League of Metropolitan Seattle. Just down the road. Yeah, yeah. And um, their president and CEO is one of my sorority sisters. So Mm. it's been really cool. We've both been in our positions about two, I guess, almost three years now, two and a half years. Um, So it's been great working more closely together on um, legislative issues and um, advocacy work. Um, Our founding president um, founded the Tacoma Urban League um, in 68 uh, during a critical time here in Tacoma during our own civil rights movement where Mm -hmm. Tacoma was facing issues similar to those we've heard or stories we've heard across the nation. Um, So I really love being a part of this organization. And two and a half years ago, pretty much Mayor Woodard's was elected mayor. The board was looking for a CEO and I was offered the position and it has been a game changer. I was in education Mm -hmm. before. um, So I bring strength in that area. However, um, my experience was primarily youth education, and this job focuses far more on um, adult programming and workshops and and education and and services. So it's been um, a whirlwind, but I I love it. I am studying and researching all the time. Today, I had a, a tour, kind of a private tour with my family at Pierce Transit and Mm. also had an interview with another nonprofit. So it's people sometimes say, what is your day made up of? And I'm like, it's it's always crazy. Who who knows? But it's always amazing. And I'm always learning a lot. Well, and on that subject of there being just a big range, one of the things I've been struck by with the Tacoma Urban League is that there are programs that are are really micro and individualized that are down payment assistance. Yeah, maybe. And then there are programs that are really designed to be have a big sweeping impact. Things like Make Black Count or like some of the efforts to close the racial wealth gap in Tacoma. As someone who is responsible for that huge range of programs, what do you, what do you do to keep your eye on the ball? How what's yeah. it like to have all that under your your umbrella? Yeah, I have to re- rely on the community. Really, I mm-hmm. listen to the needs of the community, whether it whether it is focused on larger social issues that are impacting the community or a really good idea that sure. someone has brought to the league, and. Um, 
if I um, meet someone that's willing to lead a class, lead a workshop that's going to solve a problem in our community, I welcome that. But also with the 2020 census coming up, like that is not just a localized issue. That is something we need to focus on nationally. It is also um, not a mandate, but an expectation from our national affiliate, National Urban League, that we are um, doing work in our community to make sure that the black community is counted. Mm -hmm. So it really depends on um, what the issue is, but I rely on folks in the community to help me to keep a ground, um, an ear to the ground, and know what issues are popping up and how we can find solutions for some of those issues. Sure. And if someone comes to you with an issue or with a question and says, hey, I'm wondering about this, what's kind of the next steps when somebody shows up at the league with that question? Yeah, it depends. So if it's something that's in alignment, sometimes I'm already thinking of something sure. and I'm like, gosh, I really want to do this, but I personally don't have the capacity. I don't mm-hmm. have staff capacity. But if someone comes in and they're willing to do the work, like if it's, let's say it's a childbirth class sure. and that is something under our maternal health umbrella that we just kind of have been engaging in the last six months and they want to lead the class. Well, I already have some positive parenting funding. I have some maternal health funding. So I actually have funding to support that idea. Right. Um, but it's even already if, earmarked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But even if they come in and they say, well, I want to um, provide this opportunity but, I, you know, they want to charge for their workshop. So Monique is a partner of ours and she hosts Lunch and Learns. Well, it gets more people in the Urban League. It also is a really cool opportunity for um, folks in the African-American community who have time during their lunch who want to come and learn about the different topics she's offering. And they pay her $20. And she benefits from using our space. I mean, sure. we have vacant space during the day and I want to fully utilize and fill that space um, during our business hours. I want every conference room, every space used. So if folks have a great idea, want to lead a class, a workshop, a Lunch and Learn, um, I um, extend that opportunity for them to do so. If someone comes in, their ideas in alignment with something I've been like, gosh, you know, like God, send me someone through my doors who can do this. And I may have funding and, and I'll say, you know, write me a proposal. Tell me what you're thinking. And, um, you know, we'll help you to do it. Right. And you mentioned capacity a few moments ago. Um, I took a quick spin through your LinkedIn mm-hmm. page before we sat down to talk. You seem like someone who is maybe at capacity. You are doing a lot of mm-hmm. important work on a lot of these themes, even outside of your day job. Yeah. yeah. Will you tell me about some of that other work and talk a little bit about uh, how you've sort of expanded maybe your personal engagement in the community? Sure. And I'll tell you what, I think um, between returning from um, Africa in January yeah, and, in trying to, yeah, yeah. And, and trying to get caught up at work and just trying to be ready for 2020, whatever that means, I definitely felt like I had run out of capacity to do anything <laughs> else. And I remember being in a meeting and kind of have a having a, it was like a, a leadership convening, um, our ALF group, um, but kind of having a meltdown, like, I can't do any more of this stuff, not the parenting <laughs> stuff, not the work stuff, like none of it. And I just needed to have that day. And then I was able to get back in the office yeah. on Monday and like totally throw down. Um, but I think I'm able to do the things that I do because that's what fills me giving back to my community. Mm-hmm. Um, really fills me up. Like gratitude makes me happier. Mm-hmm. It, 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 um, allows me to keep going on, on the days when I feel heaviest and I feel like I can't do anything else. I, that's when I like pull out a handwritten or I pull out a card to write a handwritten note to someone to just say like, thank you for being amazing. Like pouring into people is what really fills my cup. I don't know why, but that just, it's what I need to do. So when I'm feeling heaviest, I think doing a a small gesture for someone else. So it may not be getting out of the house or, you know, doing something that exhausts me. Um, but whether it's my work with girls or, um, 
you know, serving on a, a board or a committee or helping out a friend or, you know, going out with a friend. I think those things um, are what make me happy. Like those are my own personal things that help me to feel like I'm giving back to the community. And also anyone who's heard my story really knows that um, community is what got me from, I don't know, the troubling um early childhood experiences that I had to the point that I am now, which Mm -hmm. is just, you know, really focused and really grateful for everything that has ever happened in my life Mm -hmm. and still having enough to contribute to my community. But it was it was folks who took the time to pour into me, who did above and beyond, you know, teachers who did above and beyond their job, um, what was expected of them to do a small gesture for me to say, like, Mm -hmm. we see you, you matter in this community and we're wrapping our arms around you. So I know that those little things that I do, those ways that I'm able to give back have the potential of um, just pushing someone further in life and ahead, no matter what they may be experiencing or just to inspire someone else. It truly worked for me. Mm. So I just hope that my small contributions really do encourage someone to just keep going and to pursue their dreams um, and to overcome the obstacles that they're facing. But they really do fill me up. And I do have days like I I mean, my you know, I brought my kids here, but they can vouch for like there are days when I will stay in a bed for two days. Like I, and I'm watching Netflix. I'm just ordering um, to go food all weekend. But, you know, I know how to take time off. But recently, I think recently this year was like the first time when work, everything seemed busy for just about, you know, four weeks. And right. I was like, oh, my gosh, come on, give us a break. <laughs> um, but I think I'm kind of getting over over that hump. But, um, yeah, finding finding ways to just do for others, do for my family, to do something else um, is what makes me happy and allows me to keep, you know, doing my day job and the things that mm-hmm. keep doing the things that I have to do. You know, I, I, I got to keep the things that I want to do. How do you decide where to say no? Do you I mean, do you look for the opportunities that reflect your story or your is it kind of just who gets to you first? Is it? Um, no, it it first of all, I have no problem saying no. So <laughs> it's a good I skill. say no by saying no. <laughs> and um, but I get offers to do lots, lots of things. And it, it really does depend on what else I have going on in life. Mm-hmm. But I get asked to serve on boards or committees or if someone from Tacoma Urban League can. And I think now, even though I'm not significantly older, I have folks um, who I'm trying to maybe mentor or share opportunities with. And so I can't say yes, but I'll say I know someone else that I can refer to that I can, you know, pass this on to or let me try to find someone. So I think there's a great opportunity for for me not to feel like I need to do all of these things now. I've been very fortunate to experience um, opportunities in life that are that some would say are before my time, like school Mm -hmm. board. People are like, why are you on a school board? That's what people do when they're retired, you know, (laughs) Um, and so years from now, that's that won't be an opportunity that I'm looking to pursue, right. but something that I could encourage someone else to explore. So I pass on a lot of opportunities. I sometimes say no. I, um, But I think there, there just really are lots of people who want access to things that I might um, take for granted or that I might know are really cool opportunities for someone else just sure. because I can't um, or I would love to. But yeah, it, it depends. Sometimes I just have to say, no, I can't do it. Like I would love to, but right. I can't. And that's everything from hosting a table at a fundraiser to joining a committee to participating. And then sometimes I really push myself because I want to say no, but, um, and I think about this a lot when it comes to like time with friends, 
that is something that I just I try to keep I, I try to keep on on my plate and say yes to like that is I, I want to spend as much time with people that I love and mm-hmm. care about. And even if it's my son just saying like, oh, can you play Beyblades with me? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I want to say no, but this time is so precious and it's going to take me a good five minutes before he's like, and I'm moving on to Legos now. So yeah. I really do balance like what what is going to be a meaningful <laughs> memory for me and someone else versus what is just going to be more work. And there are other people in the community who are looking for these experiences and are more green to that experience and I could pass it on to them. Mm-hmm. On the subject of meaning and passion, I'm hoping you can tell me and listeners about Ladies First. Yeah, I found it Ladies First um, with another um, woman from the community in 2012. In what is it, eight years ago? Well, it is eight years ago. Holy yeah, smokes. it's um, it has been really amazing. So Ladies First started. The two of us went into a local middle school because they wanted mentors to come in and spend time with the girls, just talking through a variety of social issues, mm-hmm. um, and, and also just having fun and, and doing really cool activities. Sure. Um, and so we were meeting with girls over lunch and volunteering our time. At that point, um, I stayed home. I was staying home with my kids. And I think my youngest was less than one year old. So wow. I was baby wearing him. Mm-hmm. And we would volunteer our time, go up to the school, spend time with the girls. But then we quickly realized, gosh, we want notebooks and journals and snacks and speakers and all mm-hmm. of these amazing things for the girls, field trips. So that year we decided um, to... Stop volunteering to turn Ladies First into a business. I think a lot of folks have always assumed it was a nonprofit. Mm. It has always been um, for-profit work. And it has really been on pause since I've been with the with the Urban League. So if I do anything for Ladies First and if there's compensation involved, I typically, or I think at this point almost always, if not always, have them just make the payment to the Urban League. And so mm. I just... Um, put it into our our girls fund. It allows me to continue doing work with the girls, but it's kind of on pause. And now I do work under Sisterhood in the City, which is really the Urban League and Ladies First. Um, It was Girl Scouts and um, YMCA. But a bunch of us ladies in the community were like, let's just work together and serve all girls in our community and not worry about naming it after any of our organizations. So we just came up with Sisterhood in the City Mm -hmm. as a way to serve all girls in our city and build one large sisterhood. But um, Ladies First has evolved into that, but it's it's field trips. It's an opportunity for um, I, I primarily want girls of color to have a safe space, African-American girls, but it has been open to all girls in our community. And we run camps. We do field trips. We have weekly sessions. Sisterhood in the City will start back up this year at Tacoma Urban League on March 12th. Um, my my blog, um, ladiesfirstorg.com, is the best way to kind of watch the evolution of Ladies First, Mm -hmm. including just like our blogging style, our photography, the types of topics we covered, everything from gender and identity to environmental issues. But um, Ladies First has helped me to learn my community, to grow Mm -hmm. as a woman. I have learned so much about myself and my need for sisterhood and positive Mm -hmm. relationships with women um, from starting Ladies First. And um, I'm proud of it. You know, sometimes I I don't know that I don't know that people know. what Ladies First is necessarily doing. And again, it's just tricky because I don't want to, like, I don't want to, I don't want anything having to do with that business um, clashing with what I'm doing at the Urban League. Right. And I would rather the Urban League just get credit for having a girls program. But I, in essence, lead that program at Tacoma Urban League. So I can, I get to still meet with girls and um, meet awesome women in the community. 
at this point, I think I'm <laughs> repeating the answer. But started eight years ago, and it's just it's it's an amazing safe space for women and girls to cover a variety of issues and topics and and have fun and be sisters together. Well, and part of the reason I asked is because working in college admission, I am fortunate to hear a lot of high school students tell me what their dreams are. Mm-hmm. And working at the university, I'm fortunate to hear a lot of college students tell me what their dreams are. And oftentimes what folks are articulating are things that are actually like four, five, six, seven chess moves away, right? Somebody says, I want to have a women's, I want to run a women's empowerment business or a program or a nonprofit. Um, and I think sees themselves stepping sort of right into that role, fully formed, yeah. ready to go. Or, you know, I want to be a lawyer or a doctor, or I want to be the president of the Tacoma Urban League. And I, it's hard to visualize the steps on that journey, I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit to the evolution of Ladies First or even of your own career and experience in terms of did it was this always in the plan? Did it mm-hmm. unfold as a surprise? What does that trajectory looked like? Yeah, kind of all of it, right? I read a really <laughs> cool um, quote the other day that said like every something to the extent of every overnight uh, success had multiple steps to get there or mm-hmm. something, right? Like nothing right. really happens overnight. And when I participated in girls' programs when I was younger, and, and my childhood was, you know, we lived in shelters, we lived with different people, but there were women who really just, um, you know, pulled me, chose me out of how many of mm-hmm. other young girls they could have mentored and exposed me to really positive experiences Um like the ones that that we get to provide in in Ladies First. And I did always see myself creating that opportunity for girls when I um, had the chance. So I did envision it for myself, but I didn't have it planned out. It wasn't like, in 2012, this is what (laughs) I'm going to do. I think I said yes to an opportunity because I'm like, yeah, like this is something I've wanted to do. And it presented itself. I had the time to do it. And we really invested a lot of time and energy into starting up something Mm -hmm. and then continuing to build where it's like, let's get a business license. Let's, you know, and we need a name and our social media. And I think just staying consistent with something and letting it evolve over time as my um, I mean, I taught for five years, so it wasn't that my job changed. But as the needs of my job changed, Mm -hmm. my availability changed. I try to really encourage people to be flexible even with that. Like I have always, I've done this work for eight years in some way, shape or form. And sometimes it was offer, it was running program at four schools, middle schools and elementary schools. Sometimes it was only offering programming to girls in summer. Um, the last two years it has been running program for fall to spring at Tacoma Urban League. And then this school year, I just like, I, I mean, I just didn't have the the capacity. I probably could have squeezed it in. Right. But that's a place where I said no, because I really want to focus on my job and I have, a you know, other things that I want to prioritize right now. And then when things opened up more, I could start it. So I think there are ways to stay true to what you want to do, but just be flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important to me. I don't ever want to let it go. But when I, when I started Ladies First, I was a stay-at-home mom. Mm. And now I'm the president and CEO right. of an organization eight years later. Your calendar's a little different. Absolutely. Yeah. So I now, it, there were two of us volunteering our time when we started. And then we started making sure that we, we paid ourselves mm-hmm. re, as we ran the business. And now I can only run that organization with the volunteers um, 
who are committed to doing that work. And so when I sent out our, all right, we're going to kick back up programming. I love that the volunteers were like, I'm ready. And some of them have been saying, girl, when are we going to start? <laughs> um, but I couldn't do it by myself. The model looks needs to look completely different. And I think the same thing for being president and CEO of Tacoma Urban League. That was not... I did not envision being connected to an urban league. Mm -hmm. When I was a child, I was not even familiar with an urban league. But I knew that I would be a woman who was an executive running an organization Mm -hmm. because some of my greatest mentors were the women who ran the shelters that I lived in. And I remember them sitting behind their big wooden desk or um, their wooden bookshelves, Mm -hmm. you know, in their office. I remember them having one earring off, and I'm like, why does she have an earring off? And now I know because if you're on the phone, this earring presses (laughs) in your ear, so I have to take my earring off if I'm using um, my phone. I don't have my AirPods in. Well, now I'm like, I have AirPods, so it's way different than like decades ago. (laughs) I can keep my earrings on. Um, But if I'm using my desk phone, it's a little different. So, yes, Mm -hmm. I envisioned myself in a C-suite many years ago. I I saw that for myself. But I didn't envision the path that I that I took. You know, I was when I started University of Puget Sound, I was pre-law mm-hmm. and wanted to be little Miss Johnny Cochran. And then <laughs> after we were about three kids in, I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to be away from my kids and I want to stay in school. And I was unsure. So I figured so I stayed for grad school and um, wanted to do education because at least I can have summers off and all mm-hmm. the breaks off to, to match uh, my kids' schedules. Um but I kept working hard in the community, and 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 then my my mentor, who has become a, a mother to me, um, Mayor Woodard, who I, I obviously just call her Victoria, um, <laughs> again just like chose me and saw something in me and said like this will be a great next step for you. So um, it kind of expedited an opportunity that I did see for myself, and I said yes, like. I was like, God, I'm, I'm ready to lead an organization. I remember my fifth year of um, teaching at my my last job. I was I was ready to lead an organization. I was ready to lead a team. I didn't expect for it to happen like that year. Right. But so it was there and I said yes. And and I feel like the same thing with Ladies First. Like I wanted to connect with girls and do something in my community. But when the opportunity came, it was important that I said yes mm-hmm. um, to it. Do you still think of yourself as an educator fundamentally? Yeah. I mean, when I run one, I have children at home. So, yes, I'm always <laughs> teaching lessons like mm-hmm, try to tell you, you know, um, I. Yeah, I think not only an educator, but a learner. Um, but I lead programming and, and plan curriculum for Ladies First. Um in the work that I do at Tacoma Urban League, I'm an educator for the community. Like, that's the thing that's way different. I was an educator of youth primarily, but I am an educator to many, many adults. And they mm. expect for me to be informed on everything from census to housing. And it is my job to educate the community on a variety of black issues and social justice issues. So absolutely, I have not stepped out of that role as an educator. And I know you said right at the very beginning of our chat that there's sort of no typical day. Yeah. But when you talk about educating the community, how much of your time is spent in settings like this and in interviews and in kind of the big 30,000 foot? How much is spent one on one with people? Mm. That's a good question. I have a lot of meetings. Um, <laughs> so um, and Tuesday through Thursday, I like to reserve for one on one or sometimes people bring more than one person when they meet with me. <laughs> um, I try to be in my office as much as possible, but I don't need I, I, I'm curious myself to know the breakdown of what that looks like. Um, <laughs> but I meet a lot of individual community members and businesses and organizations Tuesday through Thursday. Mm-hmm. I really try to reserve Monday and Friday for me to 
be in my office to do the things that I need to do, payroll, accounts payable, check in with staff, read reports, sign grants, write grants, read grants, all that type of stuff. Um, so I don't know, but Tuesday, Tuesday through Thursday, <laughs> I really try to dedicate to interviews and, and whether it's college students or um, or not to interviews, but to, to meetings. So whether it's interviewing with college students or interviewing with organizations or speaking at, you know, I was at DSHS last week mm. to speak at their Black History event. Um, yeah, I really have no clue, but it is really demanding. And I think I just try to bring my best self and be open. And again, if it's something that I can't do, we got a lot of requests of like, oh, could someone come and, you know, speak at our school? And that is something that someone else from our organization could do. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I can answer that question. I just <laughs> I have a really demanding job. And I think a large percentage of it is committed to you know, making sure that I'm in front of the community, sure. whether they're they're asking me or or I'm asking it, um, just so we can build a relationship and and know like what we're working on, what we're doing, and how we can work together. Just on that same note, one of the things I was thinking about in preparing to talk with you today is I think it would be really easy to cast you as the sort of proverbial woman who has it all. You're a CEO. You have these important businesses that are doing good work in the community. You're on school boards. You're on hospital boards. You have four kids. You, I mean, you can sort of do the bullet point. But the title of your TEDx talk is Debunking Superwoman. Yeah. Does it feel important to you to push back on that narrative? It does, because as long as I'm human, I'm going <laughs> to mess up. I'm going right. to fail. I'm going to be I'm going to have things in my life that fail. everything from relationships to business deals to whatever. Like, I'm really grateful for the first two and a half years of Tacoma Urban League. And it has felt successful. We've mm-hmm. met a lot of goals, but I run a business. I don't expect for every year to feel like, gosh, this were successful. And maybe it's not counted by year, mm-hmm. but definitely not every month. Right. I'm going to fail at hiring people. I'm going to fail at supporting people. I'm going to fail at, you know, being able to show up to meetings and manage things. So I I, I try to tell people you can count on that because I'm human. Mm. You can count on me dropping a ball because I'm human. And as long as that is a fact, you can also count on me not being super or um, having the ability to do most things any any better than anyone else. And, And there's anyone who wants to can have my job, my position, you know, can outwork me. I mean, I'll give myself credit. I work hard. I'm focused. I know, um, I, again, I typically have a vision for what it is that I want to do. And right now my husband would say, well, right now she wants to be a police officer and she wants to work for Pierce Transit. And she was like, <laughs> and it's like, I keep getting exposed to all these things and I do, I want to do them all. Um, and and I might, you know, I'm, I've been talking to friends and I'm like, gosh, I want to do construction management. Mm. So so those <laughs> things are me. Like I will set my mind on what it is I want to do and I will pursue it and, and, and learn how to do it and figure it out. But as long as I'm human, man, I'm going to mess up, mm. I'm, you know, and, and I think that's the overall message. And everybody carries it differently, you know, <laughs> so I may not walk around and and I'm so stuck and I'm so depressed and I'm beating on beating up on myself. That's not it. Like I. If you have seen my story or know my story, I've been through so many things and I just pick myself up and and go. And there are also faults to that, right? Because I also can detach from things easily. I just really am full speed ahead. And so I'm doing a lot of work now to just spend more time being present and to 
spend more time feeling and if it's pain or if it's hurt to Mm. spend more time there and not just like, girl, I got things to do. I'm moving on. But to really stay in that space and to to feel what it is that I need to feel because there's learning in that, too, um, instead of just working in a strength of like moving forward. So, you know, I think there's um, a lot to be proud of being able to hold and juggle and manage those things. Um, And I've typically had good balance, like I can work out and eat well and um, and say no. But um, life is life. And I think there are some ways, too, that if I spent more time sitting in some of those feelings, um, my experience is a little bit different. And I think that's what I'm learning, especially in my ALF um, experience, just identifying real feelings like what does it feel like because I don't like I'm a go-getter so I don't spend a lot of time there but I'm doing more of like well what does it feel like and if it feels like sadness or if it you know like and and like say it and acknowledge it and and you can still move past it but just give credit to other feelings beyond like like moving past and going forward um but yeah, I just that, that, that's why I push back because I'm like it's unrealistic to think of any woman in that way, and and I also am easy on myself because I I know that, so I don't ever try to compare myself to another woman and mm. and, and think that oh she has it all, and I'm so grateful for the the super by our country standards like super successful people who are in my life. Mm. Because I see all of them going through similar things or more difficult things or less difficult things than I experience in my own life. But I don't know anyone who is, quote unquote, you know, or I'm doing air quotes for the podcast, like (laughs) successful. Right. Who does not still struggle with family and friends Mm -hmm. and health and everything else and finances. So I know I'm just right there. I'm just somebody who has goals, who's ambitious, who wants to do great work in their community community and who's going to completely mess up, you know, in, in between all of that. And I'm okay with it. What do bakeries, industrial design, waterproof notebook paper, and investment management for cryptocurrencies have to do with each other? Hi, I'm Ryan Del Rosario, Assistant Director of Admission and School of Music Admission Coordinator. All four of the things I listed are businesses that were founded by entrepreneurial Puget Sound alums, and you can find out more at pugetsound.edu stories. Now back to P.S., the Puget Sound podcast. somewhere in that for women and especially for young women mm-hmm. between having this sort of aspirational vision of your life in a way that's good that's yeah. motivating and that gets you out of bed in the mm-hmm. morning and that encourages you to do hard work and that aspirational vision of your life that is damaging and that sets unreasonable expectations and I mean what how does somebody zero in on that I don't I don't know if it's a line but I have been thinking of like it definitely is a cycle of mm. this society that we live in is like you know, do well, be successful, graduate high school, get a career, um, find a husband, live happy ever right. after, get the kids. But I think the cycle, like, and, and all these things will make you happy. But I think then you're back on this cycle of, like, actually, those things don't make me happy. Those are just expectations of mm-hmm. other people. And so you're back on, like, but these things make me happy and mm-hmm. this is the way. And I think even in marriage, where I really have been thinking a lot of, it is a common thread of, women jump into this like pleasing and submissive and like making my husband happy. There are some strong women who don't subscribe to that. And that's really great. But for so many folks, it's like, um, I need to let someone lead and all these things. And then somewhere down the line, they transition to 
but I'm not happy and, mm. and I'm not talking about the things that make me happy and I'm not getting my needs met. So I just feel like it like people have to find their way. And I even think in the same for race and culture where it's like, you know, assimilating and fitting in. And then it's like you come back around the cycle of like, no, it's mm. who I am and it's my natural hair. And it's, you know, me not fitting in that makes me really, really unique and will make people want to spend more time with me. But I just think people go through this cycle of like what people say, what people say, screw up. People say this is what makes me happy. And then they start over and it's like life is, you know, you know, I'm finding myself and life is happier. But I don't know if it's this line. I just think people end back up with like, wow, I feel refreshed now that I feel like I know who I am. Mm. I'm closer to my authentic self. And they start going through those processes again. And it may it, it may mean new love, new city, like really starting mm. over with those things, more of yourself. Um, but I think that's the cycle of life, whether it's womanhood or career, a lot of like, if I climb up the ladder and people please and do these things, but it's like, no, it's my individuality and, and, and my own mindset that people authentically like. And for some reason, many of those things, I just happened to get a lot earlier. Like my mm. path just was going to be defined by me. I don't really subscribe to what everybody wants. Cause really I was in foster care. I was a teen mom. Um, we were homeless. Like if I was going to all the statistics, all the things that people <laughs> subscribe for me was you're a teen mom. You're going to drop out of school. You're not going to marry your um, daughter's husband. You um, because you were homeless, you'll be homeless before you're 18. You'll be a homeless adult um, because you were in foster care. Fewer than three percent of you graduate with a bachelor's <laughs> degree. So so I had to immediately define my future for myself because everything was already so negative versus like, oh, yeah, you're just you're doing well in school. And I did well in school. But yeah. once those statistics started to um, work against me I just I had to be like screw this I know what I have going on for myself <laughs> um, but yeah I just feel like it's this cycle of like you got to find yourself you got to figure things out and um, and I know from adult women that I'm around sometimes that I just I, I have a really good head on my shoulders and again I'm not perfect mm -hmm. I still need mentors and I need advice um, and I need folks to get me back on track and 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 yeah. And, and there are a couple of things even more recently that I have really had to still use family and friends and, and mentors to just help me to focus and figure things out. Um, and it makes me feel good. Like those things make me feel so mm. human. Like I, 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 I love all the flaws, the flaws in me because I know how people perceive me. And so I love being able to lean on family and mm. friends and just and, and be vulnerable and show like my weaknesses. And I think that's what excited me most about doing my TED talk. Because it was the first time in a long time, um, no, no, the first time ever, actually, that I was able to share my story. Because people see me and, and they have said to me, I bet you grew up with a silver spoon. I bet you had everything made. And, and so I love saying, like, no, like, our power has been cut off. I've had no water. Like, I've had, you know, as a, as a child, like, I, I have, um, I know what it's like to live in a project, to be on food stamps. Like, that is really my story. And I try to explain to people, but you also don't have to carry yourself in that way for the rest of your life. Like, mm. that's many of our stories. But at what point do you say, but this is how I'm going to redefine myself or define myself? Um, and I think that's the only difference. But I love opportunities to say, like, girl, I'm a, I, I struggle as a mom like you. I don't want to do it sometimes like you. <laughs> I struggle in relationship like you. Like, I just I love finding those commonalities. I think people long for, like, connection versus, like, I'm separate and I'm right. better and I'm doing something incredible. Like, I no, like, I'm. I'm trying to figure it out, you know, mm -hmm. pants on one leg at a time, just like everybody else. <laughs> um, and that's that is for a lot of people. That's that that does not make them feel comfortable. I mean, mm. other people sharing, but also like an ability to to share 
those flaws and to mm. be that vulnerable with others. But I think that's the real connection. I think being successful is not having people trying to aspire to be something that is better than or more elevated than other people, mm-hmm. but really saying, no, it's just a regular person working hard every day, struggling every day. I don't like cooking. I don't, you know, I I used to love a lot of like more domestic things when I stayed home. Now I literally do not have time. Mm-hmm. I used to love signing school papers from school and, and would return them the next day. And now I'm just like, where the heck is that Valentine's list? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> where, where is that paper? Can somebody go buy the Valentines? Like my kids are teenagers. I'm like, can y'all go to the grocery store? Like help out. Um, and I, again, I just, I honestly, I love it. It keeps me humble too. So I, I, I personally just really love it. Mm. I love being imperfect. What do you say to somebody, maybe a young woman who's listening and is thinking, I want to be like her, right? Where's the, in the spirit of the fact that there's no plan there's no mm-hmm. blueprint. There's no no straight line. For somebody who wants to be involved in their community, who wants to to give back and to lean in and to really put their heart out into their community, but doesn't know where to start or how to do that, what's the what's the first step? I think saying yes to the opportunities is, is mm-hmm. well. Let me back up because I think the first step really is is like the vision, like seeing mm-hmm. it for yourself. So you don't have to see it perfectly. Maybe you don't know how you're going to get there, but you at least need to you need you need to have some vision for where you are headed. You know, I see mm-hmm. myself in a C-suite. I see myself. Yeah, yeah. I, I see myself leading girls. I see myself being this type of woman in the community. Mm-hmm. And then along the way, when opportunities that point you in that direction, point you in, in the direction of that vision arrive, say yes to them. Mm-hmm. If these things will move you closer, even if they come super early, if it's like I was saying I wanted to lead a girls group and now someone is saying, hey, we have an opening, we're looking for some, you know, or will you start up an organization with me? Like really say yes to those opportunities because I do find too many people are trying to get the steps perfectly. And don't Mm -hmm. get me wrong. I have my own, you know, like um, anal retentive executive, you know, like I want things to be organized in an order that 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 I need to have in life. But I also have a whole lot of just flexibility and and learning. So I think, you know, say yes. Don't keep saying this is where I want to be, but I'm not willing to take any of the steps to get there because of fear, because it's too soon, because I need to have this degree or this certification, like jump in there. And if it doesn't work, that's okay. Do it a different way. Try it again. But I I would say have the vision, say yes to the opportunity when it comes, even if it's early or even if it's a little bit later and, um, you know, jump in there and and make the best of it. You know, I, 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 everything that I do, I want to try to do it with excellence. I want to try to be engaged and show up in a way that I will be proud even when I'm most tired, like, but show up in a way that when you look back on this opportunity, on this meeting, you will feel proud of of the energy that you put into it um but I think that's it I mean that's really all that I have to offer around that like just don't wait for every step to be absolutely perfect because I have I literally have friends who are 10 years later still saying but if I get my business plan and do all these things perfectly I started a business I still don't have a business plan for ladies I never (laughs) created a business plan and I don't care if that's right or wrong but I know I was running a business and making money from it and doing amazing things in my community and I wasn't held up by a business plan We end every podcast by asking everybody the same four questions. First question is, what's the best place on campus at Puget Sound? 
I think the library. Mm. Yeah. I love books, but I also think it's a beautiful space. Um, yeah, people should hang out in the library. <laughs> well, speaking of books, second question is, what are you reading right now? Okay, let me let me look. I'm like, sure. I'm always reading a million books. Most of them are <laughs> audio books. So let me see. I've been impressed with the number of people that have remembered the author of the book that they're reading. No, that this, is asking for too much. No, <laughs> um, I'm reading Homegoing. I, I I finished more than enough um, and also Leapfrog, which actually talks is mm. more about Leapfrog leadership. I just was looking today. Let me see in my Amazon cart because some peers, some colleagues of mine um, recommend it start with the why. So tomorrow this book will show up at my house and I'll be reading start with the why. Mm. But I, I recently was reading a bunch of books that um, professors had recommended we read before our trip to Ghana. Mm, which was through um, Puget Sound, right? It was yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So some students went and also community members and I went as alumni. But um, yeah, I those books talking about um, um, kind of Ghanaian life and lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, but this book, starting with the why, will be really helpful in some of the nonprofit work that I do and some of the leadership work that I do. What's your favorite place to eat in Tacoma? Oh, gosh, too many to name. But I'm going to start with Melon Seed. I like uh, Melon Seed, Shaka Brother, Fish House. Um, I like Ezel's. Mm-hmm. Um, Matador. Um, Wooden City is a new favorite. That's right, right across the street from Matador. Yes. So if one is full, I'll go to the other. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'll, I'll stop there. Those are some of my favorites. <laughs> Melon Seed is like number one, though. Our final question is, what makes Puget Sound special for you? Yeah, Puget Sound is a place where I continue to grow up. Mm. It's a place I'm still connected to. Um, me experiencing Ghana was not an accident. It, it just is, I've traveled abroad in my life four times. Two of them with, were with University of Puget Sound. Both of those trips were with Professor um, Fred Hamill. Mm. So I think it's it's no mistake that Puget Sound um, continues to provide opportunities for me to learn and to grow. My children grew up on that campus. I think when I started Puget Sound, I might have had one kid, and then I finished grad school with um, our family had grown to to three kids, and, and um, at that point, my spouse was deployed. Um, I've gotten remarried since then, so I definitely want to honor my husband. But so many things um, happened on that campus, and it has completely embraced me from the time that I got there, from the time that I interviewed, and I, and I asked, because I'm from Alabama, and I said, look, I'm not going to be denied admission because I'm black, right? <laughs> um, and I recently met Steve, who I asked that question to, and he's like, do you remember when you met me and what you asked me? Um, so Puget Sound is, is a place that um, keeps me learning, keeps me serving, keeps me connected, introduced me um, deeply to this community and continues to do that, even if it's by sending students to the Urban League to intern with our organization. So I have a deep love and affinity for this university and um, plan to give and stay connected for the rest of my life. Tawana Nobles, thank you for joining me on the Puget Sound Podcast. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to P.S., the Puget Sound podcast. If you're interested in applying to or visiting Puget Sound, you can find out more at pugetsound.edu admission. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at UNIV, U-N-I-V, Puget Sound. I'm Elena Becker, and we'll see you next time for P.S., the Puget Sound podcast.